to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Weisel, and I'm coming at you from Sedona, Arizona, where if this sounds not great, it's because I left a dongle back in Los Angeles, and now I'm recording this on my phone. Listen, things happen. The year is ending. It's a miracle we all made it this far. I'm just doing my best. Hopefully it'll sound good with those sweet sounds of Jeff Fox just, uh, uh, I was going to say tickling the ivories, but that's piano. I don't know what he does to make this podcast sound great, but whatever Jeff does, it's magic and we appreciate him. I'm a few days into a holiday road trip, which in these times means modifying itineraries, eating a lot of room service, and watching things like Tag on ESPN2, which is freakishly good. Who knew? My husband turned on the TV and Tag was on, and then three hours later we had seen way too much of it. Now, we're driving the long way to visit my in-laws because I've never seen the Grand Canyon, but do not fret, we are staying safe, and I wish you and your family a safe and festive holiday gathering as well. No matter if that means traveling, or staying put, or simply basking in the glow of your ornament-covered tree with your pets, or your cat, or just your dog, or your fish, or your turtles, or your partner, or your kids, or whomever you live with. This will be the final episode of the year, so I, of course, must bid a ceremonial adieu to Shrek-sember, our annual offering to our Swamp King, DreamWorks' Shrek. Work two seasons in on it, and Universal has not budged with inclusion. Really doesn't even seem to be a thought in their mind, let alone a priority. But I know they know we're begging for it. And so I plan to keep on beating that drum and leading the charge each and every year until we get our debatably Jewish ogre in a Hanukkah sweater or a visible equivalent within the parks. I thank you, though, as always, for being a part of this wacky space and allowing me to dedicate December to a singular dive into all things Shrek. There are so many stories that I still have to tell, but I guess that's what 2022 is for. Today's episode, however, is a year in review. This was our first full calendar year of the podcast being in existence, and I wanted to compile my favorite bits and some of our best episodes of the year and tell you some extra stories behind each of them. So, with no further ado, here is our year in review. Yes, I mispronounced adieu, but it rhymes, so we're keeping it. Stick around like leftovers in your family fridge for these tidbits that are carefully selected and even better the second time around, like finding a real moist piece of turkey that you thought the family already ate. Stick around. This one's a good one. And thank you for everything in 2021. Time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back in May, we spoke to comedian, actor, and the only reason I know the Rams are a football team in Los Angeles, Taryn frickin' Killam. When you interview people in entertainment about something other than their projects or daily work, it can sometimes go awry. Not so much with Taryn, because this dude is one of us, and it was readily apparent throughout the entire interview. Now, he may be one of us, that is true, but we are definitely not one of him. Married to an Avenger, writing Star Wars parody sketches starring Adam Driver that have been seen nearly 60 million times, and as you'll hear in this next snippet, attending special, exclusive events in Disneyland. Well, actually, he may have gotten into the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening at Disneyland, but he definitely was just like one of us once he stepped inside Black Spire Outpost. Here's Taryn recapping every step of that fateful night. I've asked my reps, this is like showbiz talk now, but I've asked my representation for like, quote unquote, favors for only two things, truly, in my whole life. One was to help me get season tickets to the Rams when they mm. moved back to L.A. because I, I love football and promised myself when L.A. got a team, I was going all in. So I said, connect me to who I need to, and and they did, and that was great. The only other thing was like, if I'm if I'm not at an early opening of star wars land because if there's there's only one thing i love more than disney or rams and that star wars is number one for me always has been oh i didn't know that oh yes yeah i mean like you can't see but over my shoulders these cabinets i'm i'm in the middle of cleaning my toys <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's 85 percent star wars stuff behind <laughs> me in these cabinets um and so I said, if 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 you can't get me into the early, I'm I'll I'll retire. I'm quitting the business. Everything I've ever accomplished in this business has been to get into Star Wars opening, um, and and so it worked that by the time we showed up, like Kobe and I went early and just walked around because we were passport holders already. And then we showed up, we were like the first ones in line. Like they're like show up at five, and we were there at like four thirty seven. And they come out and they're like, um, we're very happy to have you. We hear you're very excited about this. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry <laughs> if you've been annoyed by people reaching out on my behalf, but I've literally called in every favor to make sure I get here. And they're like, oh, yes, we've heard you're excited. Um, so they take us from there. They take us to um, sort of the dream suite. I forget the official name of it, but above pirates. Yeah. And now it's uh, 21 Royal. 21 Royal, exactly. So they take us in there and they give us the little tour and they show us the goodnight kisses and the magical moments in each room and like Brie Larson's there and I hadn't seen her since she'd hosted. So I was like, hey, how cool is this? Because she's, I think, an even bigger Star Wars fan than me, which I didn't know until that moment. Um, And so we're hanging out there and then they say it's time. And we go in and just the process of walking through that archway from Frontierland into Batu was just like everything I wanted it to be and more. And Kobe just kind of laughed and stood back like 15 to 20 feet from me, giggling, just filming me on her phone because she knew how much <laughs> it meant to me. And she's like, this is cool, but she could leave it or take it. Um, 
And I just did a full lap, just just tears in my eye. Like it, it's real. Star Wars is now real, fully real. Um, and then they say, okay, we have a little holding area, um, which is like around the po- like the podcast engine restaurant. There's a little sitting area, and they're like, you know, holding area there. And so we go in, and I saw a couple people I knew, but I was just in that place where like it's such a special moment, you want to absorb it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I sat by myself in a booth and just kind of sipped my blue milk, which you know. I'm not in love with it when I'm being honest. Oh, I have a strong rule that I don't eat blue foods. And sure, great. I got to say, uh, it lives up with the milk. Even berries. Oh, a, a theme park blue. Like we're Understood. talking like a heavy dyed blue. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Okay. Understood. I respect that. Um, yeah, I was like, it's just a little too bubblegummy for me. I don't know. It, it, it's that artificial thing. Um, I'm glad to do it, but literally give me milk with blue food coloring because that's what I've always imagined and made at home. Um, so I'm sitting there by myself and a representative from my Lucasfilm, I guess, walks up and and if you ever watched anything that I or Bobby Moynihan did on SNL, we tried to get a Star Wars sketch in, I think once a month. I mean, it was too much where Lauren was just like, not again. But we were also like on the show in a time where Star Wars was coming back and they're doing, you know, The Force Awakens. So there was justification for it, but we probably did too much. Um so a guy comes over and he goes, hi, Taryn, I'm I'm so-and-so from Lucasfilm, and um, I know what a fan you are. Would you like to meet Mark Hamill? And I'm just like, get the frick at it. No way. And 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 I like I would not have approached, but because I was in, I was like, of course. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes, 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 yes. Of course. And um, for my birthday a year before, a friend had put together a birthday message from Mar- that Mark did, which was so generous, so kind. Um, so there was something to at least like say other than like me like Star Wars. <laughs> um, and so I approached and like and 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 it, his kids were there who were really nice, and we kind of know people in common. So like I tried to be as normal human as possible not immediately explaining that like since i was in diapers i would like play lightsaber battles from empire strikes back with my older sister like one of the first sentences i learned to say was that's not true that's impossible you know like (laughs) i played it cool we're peers we're buds what's going on man How, how weird is this like i think like once i like shook his hand like hey thank you so much and we start i said thank you for that video message it, it meant so much to me and how cool and i tried to play like how weird is it for you to be here like in my mind you can flash back to like mark at 21 going like i gotta find parking for the stupid audition for some space movie and now you're here <laughs> You're here in 14 acres of Disneyland dedicated to creating this, you know, like extraplanetary world. How He's like, it's, you know, I never get used to it. There's always something new. And literally as he's like being very kind of talking, he looks down and he sees my shoes and I'm wearing Star Wars shoes with his face on them. <laughs> what do you mean? Like a little it's, painting of his face? It, they're Vans shoes painting with like the OG like start like him with the Stormtrooper <laughs> blaster like you know front and center and he looks down he goes nice shoes and I'm like yeah I'm sorry I'm a fan <laughs> 
Of and course, so, of like, all the shoes to wear, it's like the one with the biggest uh, canvas I, for his face. And I'm too deep into the day to have even like put that together before approaching him uh-huh. to like cross my feet or stand pigeon toed or whatever. <laughs> um, so that was hilarious, and he could not have been nicer. And then I walk back to my table, and now Kobe's talking to Kevin Feige who she knows because she's done all the and he's literally in the process of telling her he's like hey so remember all that stuff you filmed for spider-man um we're doing a tag where it turns out you're a scroll <laughs> and kobe's just like <laughs> okay cool what is that <laughs> and i'm like kobe stop you're embarrassing me and so like i end up they 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 bring us in and so i end up standing next to kevin feige and peyton reed who are just nerding out and telling me like the coolest things that they own in their star wars collection which are deep like kevin owns a cookie mold from pepperidge farm that they all you know there's only like three of these metal molds to make star wars cookies from 1970 so amazing i'm just i'm nerding out and it's like those guys on one side and then like kareem abdul jabbar standing standing <laughs> 10 feet away and I'm just like what is tonight what is tonight what is this and then um by the way you're gonna regret having me on this because obviously I can talk about Disneyland oh, forever do you but- add, this is the the best <laughs> the, so far the best half hour I've had this year like okay. this is because on my okay. end like the only stuff that my listeners have heard so far is us being like yeah like we had a few cocktails and then we went to write a story about sabers like Great. this is okay. a whole different side okay good okay good but just you know say like per Minister Centavas por favor or something to like get me to stop and oh, sit down but never um, never <laughs> so as you know like because you were there you know Iger comes out and he's reading from the teleprompter and it's like that's cool and we already know George is there like I met George's son Jet that night who's like the nicest man in the world and actually loves it too like I'm kind of like are you over this are you like in the same way I was talking about my kids and my passion for Disney like and, and he's like yeah. he, he he loves it too and he's on board so that was exciting and um, I, George comes out and then Mark comes out and then uh, Billy D. Williams comes out and that was like, whoa, because I didn't know that. And then, you know, it's a little bit spoiled because you can read the teleprompter, but Iger is like, he's not an actor. So he's like, hey, start her up, Chewy. And they have a Chewbacca in the cockpit. And he goes, <laughs> and you hear the <laughs> engines die down. And then I see the spoiler and he goes like, oh, no, Chewy. Iger's, Iger's like, does anybody know how to fly a Millennium Falcon? And you just hear from off off stage like, oh, I got it. And Harrison Ford walks out and everybody's losing their GD minds. And he's there kind of begrudgingly, but he's being, you know, in that sort of like sourpuss Harrison Ford way. But it's just undeniably cool. And he's like, hey, all right. And he walks over to the Millennium Falcon and be- and like now I'm just like, I got to take in every moment. So I'm looking between the stage and the teleprompter and like I start to get emotional because I see they're going to do a tribute to Peter Mayhew who had passed away, I think, the week before. And I'm like, oh, man. And so Harrison walks over to the Millennium Falcon and he raises a fist to like pound on it. But but clearly they'd not rehearsed it or something because he 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 turns and he goes, Peter, and then he raises a fist. But whoever's in charge of the lighting and sound cue thinks that that's the visual cue and hits play. So like before he can even hit the Millennium Falcon, it powers up. He goes, Peter. And over this loud light effect sound cue, 
poor Harrison has to go, hey, this one's for you! <laughs> And punches the Millennium Falcon, but it's like too late. Everybody's losing their mind. So this wonderful tribute. I th- I watched it back like on the video, and it doesn't look as like poorly. You can because obviously Harrison's mic'd, but he's in watching it live. He's like Peter. <laughs> and everybody's losing their mind, and then. And then they like usher them off the stage and we're standing pretty close to the entrance for Smuggler's Run, but so is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So everybody's funnel, like every important person to Disney, Lucasfilm, everything, and then me are standing in this bottleneck trying to get in. Like Kevin Feige is getting crushed <laughs> between like Peyton Reed and Brie Larson. But they open it up and we get to ride it. It's so awesome. The only like extracurricular that I was that I'd pledged to do was like this lightsaber build because it had been it had been built up so much. I was like, I have to build a lightsaber. We come off our like guide who's looking out for us approaches and like, how was it? I'm like, that was I just flew the Millennium Falcon. Holy cow. That was the best. Um, And they say, well, because we know what a fan you are and how important this is to you, we would like to invite you to Club 33 for an intimate after party. And like, and Kobe turns to me to gauge my reaction. And I'm just like too overwhelmed at this point (laughs) that I go, (laughs) I go, oh, man. Can I build a lightsaber first? <laughs> and the cast member had to go, um, yeah, it's, there's a little bit of weight. I, I really think you should take them up on the 33 invite. The lightsabers will be here, Taryn. <laughs> and so I go, okay, okay. Um, and they're like, if you want, you can, we can do a quick lap around the stores. And I go, yes. So, I make so we have our guide then like one of the heads of guest relations is there too to facilitate this incredible 33 like I've never been to 33 I can't believe I'm even getting to step inside but my mind is still because Star Wars is number one like I have to capitalize on this opportunity so there's three Disney employees following us around as I'm loading up shopping bags of like of like tattooing swamp frogs and <laughs> and like Jedi robes and t- black spire t-shirts and they're like um so are you ready to go to club 33 now <laughs> and I'm like yeah okay I'm sorry I have a problem and they they walk us in and and it was insane because they walk Kobe and I in and we are literally the only ones there in 33 because 33's hours have closed down by this point we're the only ones inside so they like walk us around give us a tour they give us little towelettes to wipe our hands and like and we go in the dining room and the dining room's the same but this is after they'd done the remodel so the entrance was different and they the kitchen they'd moved into where the end the lounge you know the the waiting room the hunting room or the trophy room is what it was called um and they walk us into the salon nouveau which still is like where it's at it's the only even if you can go for the dining the meals are great it's good quality food it's overwhelming you won't be able to finish everything but the salon nouveau is where it's at and we walk in there we're the only ones there and we sit at the bar and we're just talking to every uh, bartender person every employee like (laughs) 
how lucky are you that you get to be here? And they can just tell like me in particular that I'm a spaz. And so they're humoring well, you me. You must have been at like 14 out of 10. You must have been just, I just rolling I, in there with deep energy. I literally like am like pulling out handcuffs and chaining myself because I'm like, you'll never take me out if you're alive, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and it's just Kobe and I, and like, it's my first ever adult cocktail on Disneyland property. It's so it's surreal upon surreal upon surreal. And we are, I'm not exaggerating. We're the only two people there who are not employees. And so we're like, how cool is this? And everybody's so kind. And I'm already like, how, uh, how do people become members? How do I do it? Like I turned into Bobcat Goldthwait, like, I really like to know. <laughs> um, and then we're there. And what we quickly understand is that they've done us a favor. And like, so at this point, both Kobe and I are on ABC shows and Kobe is a part of the Marvel family. And so like, it's not completely unearned, but we also certainly feel like how are un unworthy in that moment and what it is the reason 33 stayed open is that disney communications not disneyland not disney world but disney corporate communications kept it open for their team who have organized the opening of this star wars galaxy and all the publicity and all of the food all of the uh, they organized the event are holding their party there and Kobe and I are just huddled at, at the bar and they're having cocktails. They're congratulating each other. And they're, they're like, you know, they're, this is their victory lap. And we've had the place to ourselves for about 30 minutes and we're already like on our third cocktail and just can't believe it. And the head of guest relations who is, who helped facilitate this walks over and she's like, we just want to check in how you're doing. Do you think that maybe you would need a hotel room here tonight to stay? Cause, and then Kobe and I look at each other and like, okay, we got to, we are invaders. They're worried that we're going to drink ourselves silly yes. and that we're going to crash. You've on crossed the, the line into a potential we, liability. This is too bad. Yeah. Okay. There we've see, we see the red light. Um, so we say, thank you. And, and we say, we're going to actually, well, no, 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 this is our last. And thank you. We cannot thank you enough. This is amazing. And now the park is completely closed. It's totally empty. So we walk from New Orleans square through the park down main street, with no, like we saw a couple power washers already out spraying down the streets and sidewalks. And it was like, we did, we've done Disney. We've done, we, there's no, it will not get better than this. We actually spoke to a lot of celebrities this year on Very Amusing. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell came on the show. <laughs> what? I cannot, I still cannot believe that they emailed me. They emailed me. They emailed me. Malcolm Gladwell. Okay, I, I can't, I can't keep doing that. But none of them hold a candle to this one very special guest. My main gal. Hello, Carly. Miss Piggy. This was something I'd always dreamed of, but never thought could actually happen until I did one thing that changed the course of history for me. I went to see... Waterworld. Yes, the day that Universal Studios Hollywood restaged their stunt show that has stood the test of time, by the way. It is still fabulous. I hopped in my car and scurried over to the park. And basically, because of that, Miss Piggy came on Very Amusing. 
Allow me to explain. I drove there as safely, but as fast as I could, and scurried into the park only to find out that the Waterworld audience was completely full, and I missed my chance at seeing it in a matter of moments until da 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 da. I DM'd fellow reporter Chris Hayner, who had the same MO, and he graciously came out to get me so that I could sit with him and catch the Universal Studios Hollywood's show Grand Return together. A hero! I got us a round of butterbeers afterwards, which, by the way, was the only time in my life that Hogshead Inn felt like a real pub. Just meeting up with a friend, get getting a drink. The park had recently reopened. It was empty. And we just got to chill at one of those huge wooden round booths and chat for hours, if I'm remembering it correctly. During which he told me that when Muppets do projects, they often have a media day with them on Zoom. And a light bulb went off in my head. A crushingly large light bulb. I had no idea this happened. I had no clue. It could be done. I could maybe talk to a Muppet. And lo and behold, thanks to a theme park project giving me a reason to have a Muppet standalone episode, I was able to enthusiastically ask and ask again and keep asking and keep reminding and asking about getting Miss Vicky on the show. It was a real sliding doors situation for me, thanks to getting a round of butterbeers with Chris, who without I would have never known about this possibility. And oh my gosh, it is truly one of the best moments of my entire life. Here's one of my very favorite bits from our very amusing interview with the one and only Muppets Queen, Miss Piggy. Now, in your opinion, what is the best part of Halloween? The best part of Halloween, for some, is the costumes. For more, it's the candy. Come on. Come on. I'm a kid at heart. And, uh... And I've got a sweet tooth or two or three. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. What I love to do, though, is I love to get a bunch of candy to give out to the children. Um, but I set aside all the chocolate. That's mama's. Mama gets the chocolate. OK, the other candy that goes to the kids. And maybe maybe there's like a little exchange. Well, you know, maybe they've got some chocolate. Maybe, maybe they want to give me their chocolate and I'll give them something. As you mentioned earlier, the scariest part of Muppet's Haunted Mansion was when you found out you weren't going to be its only star. So when it comes down to it, woman to woman, you have the floor. Who is the true star of this film? All right. Well, um, as I mentioned before, Gonzo, I guess technically is the star. He has the most screen time. However, a case could be made for moi. I, I have a very small part. Um, I don't have a lot of screen time, but I make the most of it. Okay? I really do. I think, I think they're probably going to come up with a new award category after people see moi in this special. And for best performer who... Should have been the star, but wasn't, but is really, really good in it and steals the show anyway. I think that's exactly what they're going to call it, too. You know, it's like they say, there are no small parts, only small pig actors. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy probably walking red carpets and starring in films. And It was my pleasure. I mean, I can't say the pleasure was all mine. It was mostly yours, but just the same. 
covered Star Wars Galaxy's Edge from every angle possible on this podcast. And from first-hand accounts like Terran's to deep dives into how its audio animatronics were built, one episode stands out in particular. Back in May, we welcomed prolific author and reporter Amy Ratcliffe, a true Star Wars expert, onto the pod alongside friend of the pod, Scott Trowbridge, portfolio creative executive at WDI, and the real captain of the SS Star Wars at Disney's theme parks, to discuss the inspiration and execution of Batu as a whole. Scott's been on Very Amusing twice now, but I'm guessing likely won't be the last time, considering he's heading up Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, and I cannot wait to step back aboard that hotel ship to tell you about it firsthand next year. For now, though, we're going to bop back to one of my favorite bits of this interview with Scott and Amy, which centered around their book, The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The entirety of this interview is fascinating. There's really nothing like speaking with people who are experts on how these places got built because they know every step of the process. And nowhere is that more apparent than in this story of Ellie. Who is Ellie, you might ask? Well, I'll leave that one up to Scott. During the development in the Blue Sky process, we're ideating a million different things that we think would be would be cool and would be, you know, help bring it to life and make it a dynamic land. And one of those was this creature named Ellie, who was a 26 foot long, somewhere between a giant mix between a hamster and a gerbil with tusks. Um, a, you know, a great creature, but but the most friendly, lovable, huggable, giant furball you've ever seen. And so we actually started to ideate um, ways to bring that creature to life in the land and kind of have it lumber through the land. Um, and we went so far as to actually develop and prototype the the technology that would actually allow that to happen. The kind of the um, you know the 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 giant scale robotics that we would have do that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, as some of these great ideas, you know, they, they must get prioritized. And we realized, okay, if we really are driving this. If this massive creature is coming through the land, it, you know, we know the land's already going to be crowded. What is that going to do to the, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't a thing we do on opening day, which is to say we're never done developing these things. So who knows what's going to show up in the future. But I will say, I just fell in love with that character and with Sal Ju, who's kind of her, you know, her humanoid uh, friend. And I just, you know, and, and the rest of the team always made fun of me because I always felt like I carried a locket around my neck with a picture of Ellie in it. You know, and I'm like, she's coming back. She's going to, you know, we're, we're going to tell her story. Um, and finally, in a conversation with Amy, we kind of thought, you know what, let's do tell this story. Let's tell the story of Ellie and Sal Ju. And, and Amy really kind of helped bring that to life. Yeah, equally, just as soon as, Scott and Margaret really told me about Ellie and I, you know, I have a really soft spot for, for animals in real life, but creatures in Star Wars, one of my favorite areas to dig into because they're cute. They're, you know, they're, they run the spectrum. And when I like learned about Ellie and learned about her and Salju's relationship and how bonded they were, and I just fell in love too. And you can't really hug a book, but when I spot that book in my pile, I'm just like, oh, Ellie, I love you. And I got to name a creature. I got to name Ellie's creature as a, she's a fairy. And I, like, as someone who loves Star Wars creatures, the fact that I got to come up with a name, I was like, are you really going to let me do this? And I absolutely named Oga's Tuka cat as well and used my own cat's names to come up with the name. So all around pretty exciting for me. <laughs> 
Oh my God, I did not know this. That's pretty incredible that you, like your own pet names are now canon. Yep, Kaiska is named after Kyrie and Ahsoka. Amy! I was really pleased. I was like, maybe I'm just going to put this in here and we'll see if they let me keep it. And she didn't have, the Tuka Cat didn't have a name yet. So I got, I got lucky. Wow. See, Scott, for, for people like us, this is very exciting. We don't get to build whole lands. <laughs> uh, listen, it's always exciting. Make, making, making the Star Wars is always fun and exciting. I won't lie. I'm kind of shocked Disney was cool with us talking at length about things that didn't get made like that. It's a rarity because they know that kind of stuff is often sensationalized. But personally, especially in that context, I think it helps let listeners understand the creative process and the artistry of building an entire land. Especially when you hear about what almost made it in but did not, you can really get a grasp for what that blue sky process can be like. Another thing that shocked me, when Disney opened up the gilded door to the world of Duffy and Friends and welcomed me in to ask all my goofy questions. <laughs> Welcome to Charlie Watanabe, the force, and one of the greatest people I've ever spoken to in my life, let alone on this podcast. I'm always shocked when Disney lets me do this kind of stuff, but I was blown away when they let my Duffy dreams come true. I've made it very public that I'm obsessed with these characters and would feature them whenever they let me. I would shove them in any season, any episode, does not matter. And they actually let me twice this year. A miracle! A gift! Now, no one can describe Duffy and Friends better than Charlie, so allow me to turn it over to him for one of the greatest chats and experiences I've had to date. In terms of the world of Duffy and Friends, I would love to know more specific details. A couple years ago, I mistakenly thought Duffy and Shelly were a couple, and then I was told that they're actually much younger. Can you tell me any details about <laughs> the world they live in? Okay, so yeah, they're young kids, little kids, and I think that's one of the most important things about uh, Duffy and Friends because uh, you know, as a storyteller, it's really important that we maintain um, innocence in, as the core element of all the stories that, uh, that we create. And um, so Duffy and friends are best friends, and then they're not a boyfriend and girlfriend. And uh, that's, I think that's one of the reason, uh, one big reason why they are able to love each other and then all the friends love each other. Um, you know, beyond, uh, you know, gender or any of the, the things, I mean, the th things that are important in our, our world today, the diversity and inclusion, I think Deaf and Friends really represent that. Do they live in any particular place? Duffy and Shelley may live in Cape Cod. Okay, Cape Cod, is a, it's actually a fantastical place um, in Togo Disney Sea. But um, it's in, they, they live in Cape Cod, and Shelley lives in um, New York. Or it's better to say that they are from, like, for example, Estelle is from New York. Uh, Gelatin is from Mediterranean Harbor. Cookie Ann is from Main Street, USA. And Olumel is from Hawaii. But they all often hang, uh, hang out together. And so um, a lot of the stories take place in Cape Cod because they are visiting Duffy and Shalimei. I want to believe, I don't know, shall I talk about Yashi? This uh, yeah, Yashi is a Japanese, should. yeah, Japanese concept, Japanese word. 
that means um, the comfort of uh, being cared for, relaxing, soothing, you know, all those emotions are actually comprised in, in this word yashi. And then that now yashi has become one of the core values of Duffy and friends, because it seems like a lot of, especially Japanese fans, find yashi in Duffy and friends because of the way the, the cuteness and their fluffiness, you know, which also gives you a really nice comforting feeling, right? But at the same time, um, because of who they are and how they care about each other, you know, people feel like, oh yes, I wish I could, I, if I had a friend like that, that really make me happy. You know, that makes you feel so calm and then relaxed and then like loved. And that feeling of Yashi is so essential in, in any of the stories we create. And so that's um, probably one of the things we always try to keep um, and, and foremost in our minds. I think, as Eva said, it just, this, you know, sort of the feeling of Yashi is needed regardless of where the world is at that particular point. Even when you're really happy, I think there's nobody's really 100% happy all the time. And then um, there's a, a wonderful um, sort of Chinese saying that we use in Japan too. Uh, which is basically, you know, the happiness is followed by sadness, sadness followed by happiness, okay? So it's never, you're never happy, you're never sad, right? But there, you always have to deal with sadness that for some reason at some point, and I think Duffin Friends can sort of strengthens or, or maximizes the happiness, but also attenuates or mitigates the sadness, you know? So I think the feeling of Yashi and what Duffin Friends bring to you would be, I think, something that's needed regardless of where you are in your life. And um, the Yashi is something that I think we're all looking for regardless. It's so interesting because I came in here ready to be like, can you explain to me why I'm why I'm so emotionally invested in these characters? Like, I barely know them. They're not my home park. I don't know why I'm obsessed with them. And then I talk to you for five minutes and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, there's so much thought that goes into it that I, you know, as on the consumer end, I might not really see that, but it's so baked into the product that it it just exudes it, even if you don't really know why. That's great. I mean, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Because, as you said, I don't. I don't think all you know. All the the Duffy and Friends fans are so deeply aware of who they are. But I really do not want to kind of take advantage of that and then just tell kind of a superficial, cute stories. Because first of all, I don't think that's who Duffy and Friends are. And secondly, I think the Duffy and Friends have a much bigger mission than just being cute. They are able to tell such, such important stories that we all need. We all need in order to become a better person, each one of us. And so that you love your friends, love people around you as well as yourself. And if we are able to do that, I think the world will become a much, much better place. And then I feel I have so much optimism and hope and enough in friends in helping accomplish that goal and i think if we if we lose track of that i feel that this franchise or the duffin friends is are going to lose it's like 95 percent of its value and that that's how important it is to me and then i believe that for everyone in our team
uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you thought I was going to include me getting my butt handed to me about Olu Mel, nope, not today. Even though that may have been a podcast highlight of the year for some, I physically cannot relive that moment again. It is so cringeworthy. I lived it in the interview. I relived it when I cut the interview. I relived it again when I listened to Jeff's edit. I relived it again and again when everyone heard it. And I'm done. I'm starting the new year with a clean slate with my frenemy Olu Mel. I, I'm just giving, I'm giving it. I love him. We're all in. 2022 is a fresh start. If you want to hear, it's in our Duffy the Disney Bear episode from back in May. But until then, I am embarking on a friendship journey with that turtle. Okay? We're doing good. We're just skipping off into the sunset at Alani. Leave me be. One of my favorite interviews of the year, besides that one, was with the only athlete I'll ever consider a friend. 
Robin Lopez. One of the things I always hope to discuss on this podcast, which I mentioned in previous episodes, is how silly some of these previews can be. You're in a construction boots, you're in a helmet, you're in goggles and gloves and trying to take notes since you can't record anything or have your phone on. And sometimes when you're touring something like Avengers Campus or Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, you're just standing in borrowed clothes, lent shoes, staring at a mound of dirt while barraging an Imagineer in a frighteningly tight schedule, truly down to the 45 seconds, with questions thinking, it would be so funny if people could see this right now. That's why it was so amusing to me that Robin Lopez, basketball player, Stanford grad, sport twin, Robin Hood enthusiast, had a similarly silly scenario happen to him while overseas. Here's a snippet from that interview from just a few weeks ago. What's the most secret or exciting space within a Disney theme park that you've been able to visit? I think the coolest thing I saw, this is, and this is just off the top of my head, this is off the top of my head. Aside from getting to go up to a bunch of the Epcot lounges, which isn't necessarily, I don't know if that's secret, but the coolest thing I saw was when I was on a tour in Paris and they took us back to a room where we could actually see the Star Tours vehicles in motion. What? I, I, I don't know if it's... I. This was pre-Star Tours 2 over there, so I don't know if they've removed that room or not, but it was there, it was there when I took the tour. That is so cool. I don't think it was I've actually, ever heard it was, that. It was actually surprising how smooth but how dramatically the vehicles pitched and yawed. And people can jump in and say if I'm using those words wrong, but they see, it seems No, seems that seems, feels very like Imagineering story. It feels accurate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Because I've seen, I've seen like barely anything, but I've never seen a ride in motion like that. Yeah, that was, that was really cool to witness. That's all, off the top of my head. That would be... That would be up there. I was, I was, I, this is, this isn't a secret area, but I was really fortunate to tour the Shanghai Disney grounds like two years before opening. And I, I walked through show scenes seven to 10 of Pirates. And I think, I think that's where you see, um, where you see Davy Jones on the piano. And when you're going through, when you're going through the ships. But the funny story about that is I wear sandals everywhere and I mistakenly wore sandals to a construction site. <laughs> Which is a huge no-no because you have to be in full gear. Huge no-no. And I had, we signed papers and everything and they were like, you're wearing sandals. And, <laughs> and but I, I wear size 20, so there weren't any replacement shoes. Oh my God, I, I didn't even think about that. I was already there, so I was walking around in sandals. <laughs> Oh, because they didn't even like wrap your feet in tape or anything. They didn't like make a shoe. I think I had like protective. Uh, what do you wear like in hospitals when you put? What did you put on a shoe? Oh, like um, like those little booties. Yeah, the little booties. Little yeah, I had like those on those little protective booties over my sandals. <laughs> Wait, I love the idea of you because that park is gigantic. Of you shuffling through that park in like little hot, like like you're taking a tour of a new house, put on little booty socks, and are just sliding through. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. 
Hi, Carly. This is Brittany calling from Orlando. I heard you talking about how much you loved Steven Spielberg's West Side Story on the last episode, and I wasn't sure if you were aware. That technically counts as a Shrek Simber moment because Officer Krupke in that film is played by the same actor who is the original Shrek in Shrek Musical on Broadway. So, your love of West Side Story holds up in December. Just thought I'd let you know. Love the podcast. Bye. I'll take it. Brian Darcy James, bring it home. I mean, that's canon, right? An actor played Shrek, an actor was in West Side Story, therefore West Side Story is a shrek film. Yeah, that works for me. Works for me. I'll take it. Happy shrek Hello, Carly. Uh, another random midnight thought. I'm avoiding social media because I'm seeing Spider-Man tomorrow and I don't want it to get spoiled. So I'm just like scrolling through my camera roll of things that I have saved from previous encounters with social media. And I came across one of your stories from when you were in Paris of Goofy and he's like in a purple polka dot shirt with a yellow vest and green pants. Um, and at one point in time, you had said that you thought Goofy was, I don't know, you said he was hot or like something, but you were like, you would be down with getting with, Goof, uh, with, getting with Goofy. So essentially what I'm getting at here is why is Goofy's outfit seem like something that Harry Styles would wear to me? Does Goofy have taste? Does Goofy know how to dress? Are you onto something here? Because I think you might be. Uh, I welcome the discussion. Uh, thank you for all you do. You're amazing. And I hope to see more from you soon. Bye. See, this this is exactly why I did not include that bit from my Robin Lopez interview in this episode. I'm never going to live this down. But then again, I that's not that's not exactly what I said. I just said that that my choice was goofy and his choice was Robin Hood. I, I guess, I don't know if I think, oh God, I'm not even getting into this. I'm just going to respond to your actual question, which is the gang am onto something. Goofy has style. He regularly has like the coolest shoes of Mickey in the Fab Five, I'd argue. Um, I think his height lends himself to wear a lot of cool trousers, which is very Harry Styles-esque. I don't know if I've seen uh, anything like Gucci adjacent on Goofy, but I know that whatever he wears, ooh, he pulls off. I mean, Mickey right now at Disneyland is wearing like a little unique low style puffer jacket. It's cute. It's fine. But it's nothing like my main man goof when he's dressed as a cowboy. He is pulling it off. Okay, I'm not I'm not helping my case either way. But yeah, thank you for recognizing that Goofy is a style icon and I will continue to uphold that into 2022. Thank you for your call. <laughs> It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you to everyone involved in the making of these episodes. I am so grateful for your time and your fantastic stories, and to everyone else for listening. We will be back next year! We are taking the month of January off to do pre-production, I guess is the word you'd use to describe it, but when you're one woman at a computer, it doesn't seem like you need a fancy camera term. So whatever you want to call it, we are taking a short break to work on things for the rest of 2022. That being said, we may be returning sooner by way of a little series at the top of the year around February. Let's not get too wild with it. Focused on Disney planning and advice and favorites and how to navigate things like Disney Genie Plus. So stay tuned. I'm still in the process of formatting it out a bit, but I did a poll on Instagram recently and 91% of people who responded and a good chunk of people responded wanted something like this. And I think it's, it's worth it. It's a really important part of how you plan your trip. Everybody who listens to this is a theme park fan and could use that type of advice. So let us know if that's something you're interested in and we may be pursuing it. You can tweet it to me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, leave me a comment on Instagram at Carly Wiesel, or shout it out in my Facebook group, The Fomily, at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. You can find Very Amusing wherever you get your pods. If you're on Apple, we wouldn't mind a five-star rating. I mean, you know, it's like a little holiday present that's free from you and very appreciated by me. But you can also find us on Spotify or wherever you listen. I actually have been really enjoying the Spotify podcast format lately, so I might become more of a Spotify podcast person. TBD, anything can happen in 2022, for better or worse. This podcast was edited definitively by Jeff Fox. Have a wonderful holiday. Please stay safe and please keep testing. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetheart, it's mom. I just had my COVID shot, my booster yesterday. So if I sound crazy, that's why. Much could be any day of the week. But um, I wanted to tell you I just enjoyed thoroughly your Shrek Water Park episode. I am really getting upset that this is almost over. I'm enjoying it so much. I love it. I just love it. So I saw your picture on Instagram, and I saw the picture of you at the Shrek Water Park, and I can now see how massive this Shrek is. I couldn't see it, but now that I saw the picture, it's gigantic. Um, I enjoyed listening to that Don Carson, and he's the one, I guess, who helped create the water slide that is unbelievably amazing. And I think he said it was like seven years he was working on the Shrek water park. It's very, very cool. But when he mentioned about the vertigo-y, so I have vertigo, of course, so I could never go like up high. But if you did, you could tell me about it, but that's not for me. So I just wanted to say the woman that called in, it's catching on the Shrek number thing. Because she called in and had the party for Hanukkah, and she had the three movies going on in the background. We need to get invited to these kind of parties, honey. I will do a road trip with you anytime. That is so much fun. So I just want to say it's a short week because mom has kind of tired. Great week. I love you.
and I'll talk to you soon. Bye, sweetheart.